0: this is the things christians want to know podcast and i am nate johnstone and that is paul anderson
1: here i am there he <laughs> is i'm waving at you hey, way hey. back i All learned right. how to do that now
0: uh none of you can see us waving and i'm sorry you missed you missed a real treat <laughs> we was good. Um, another beautiful summer evening here in minnesota uh every evening in the summer is beautiful but they may in be Minnesota. listening to it
1: in the morning, so. you know,
0: And I'm not going to judge when you want to listen to this, or even what state <laughs> you're in. Uh, you may be in a totally different state, or a different mental state, uh, yeah. or an altered state. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to state of
1: confusion after we get done listening yeah. to this, huh?
0: So, uh, whatever state you happen to be in, welcome. Uh, uh, thanks for joining us, and we are going to be talking about something uh, personal and important to both Paul and I. And um, wouldn't you say?
1: I would say Paul and me. Paul and See, uh,
0: Paul is, you may not know, this is a very little known fact. Not a lot of people yes. know this. Paul Anderson is a grammar junkie. Okay. <laughs> I
1: am. I like grammar.
0: Oh my goodness. He, I very, I've only th- think of one other person in my life, my friend Autumn, who I love dearly. Only other person in my life who corrects me on grammar because I'm usually pretty decent yeah. at grammar. Yeah. I usually talk good about stuff. <laughs> yeah. And
1: <laughs> And I don't correct too many people. No, <laughs> I'll correct you every time if yeah. I can. Paul yes. knows that
0: I I I <laughs> I take correction well. I well, didn't always. I didn't yeah. always, that's for sure. But uh yes, yeah, so I apologize for that. Paul and me. Um you you you're really getting in on the inside under the hood yes. of uh Paul and Nate this today. So we are going to be talking about, I don't even know what word to use. I'm going to use the word revival because I think that's a word that people commonly use. Mm -hmm. But later on, probably not at this podcast, but in a future one, we'll get to why I think the word revival is problematic. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, namely that it means different things for different people. It's a word that has a lot of baggage.
1: I know where you're going with that. Yeah. I I can understand why you'd say that. It's a word that has baggage, and
0: sometimes words with baggage are better unused. It's better to use a different term, you know?
1: And it's why I think I, for years, did not pray for revival, nor why I didn't encourage people to pray Mm. for revival. So we'll go into that later.
0: Interesting. So, yeah, call it revival. Call it I, What I call it is a, a great move of God. Mm-hmm. That's a very generic term mm-hmm. that I feel like most people could get behind. Sure. There are some people that you say revival and they're, they're going to have a, a negative opinion of what that is, or they're not going to be in favor of what that is based on whatever preconceived ideas they have. And we're going to talk Later on, about some biblical revivals that took place. Um, and I don't think anybody would be against those. Yes, not too many people were against John the Baptist revival nowadays. At the time, however, who he was not such a popular dude,
1: not, not with the religious people uh, anyway. Yeah,
0: not even. I, I can't imagine he was popular among anyone. I well, mean, let's be honest, even the people who. We're like, John is a man of God, he is a true prophet. We repented, we were baptized. The guy's still crazy. He wears camel hair and he eats locusts. He's Yeah but he's getting
1: people from all over the place, all from yes. Jerusalem and all around, and they were coming to a weird place, the desert. That was where he was preaching. Yeah. In the wilderness, and they were coming. He didn't uh, rent the nicest stadium. No.
0: You know, uh, along with a really good security and great concessions and a good uh, coordination manager, he hung out in the desert with rocks and a very small creek and everybody Mm. showed up. The only way that happens is if the Spirit of God is doing something. And that's what we're talking about. When I talk about revival, when we talk about a great move of God, I'm thinking about Things like the Great Awakenings mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. We had two of them so far. Mm-hmm. I think we're about to have a third, mm-hmm. and that's something we'll talk about over the next couple of weeks, few weeks. Um. So let me back up a bit. So yeah. I I grew up in a uh they called themselves non denominational church. Um. It wasn't technically Pentecostal, but it was very charismatic. Mm-hmm. It was uh a church that was planted by way of the cross, which is now way of the Lord.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that.
0: Yeah. Uh, the I, I don't know. I don't want to say it and get it wrong. So, yeah. So, but uh, there, there was, you know, a long history there. And so I grew up, you know, the, the, the things of the Holy Spirit were normal. Believing that the Bible was true was normal. Believing it was, God was serious when he said the things he said in the word. <laughs> yeah. And that we were meant to believe it and that we were meant to base our lives on it. Um, we were evangelical, we were, uh, that was just my normal life. And then I went to Missouri Synod Lutheran schools, which also believed the Bible, but in my opinion, which was my opinion at the time, they ignored certain parts. What about Mm -hmm. this? What about healing? What about all this stuff that it says we're supposed to do, like heal the sick, and they say that doesn't happen anymore. And yet when so-and-so's kid got sick, we prayed that God would heal them. So how does that work? And, and it led to some confusion. And so um, I would have talks with my parents, my mom in particular, often mm-hmm. growing mm-hmm. up about, so I heard this in school, they said this, is this what we think, you know? And so I grew up with an understanding that different Christians believe different things and that's okay. And that um, something like a school, You can get a lot of good, wonderful things out of it, even if there's a couple things that you need to leave by the wayside as you walk past. And so I was raised with that kind of critical thinking, I guess, would be one way to put it, although my mom wasn't scholarly trained, you know. Um, But that kind of thinking certainly served my brother and I well when we went to college and, and have studied since then. Um, because we just think critically, and we also have the ability to, because of how we were raised, look at something and say like, oh, this is 80% great. Mm-hmm. 10% not as good, 10% total garbage. And that it, the 10% total garbage doesn't ruin the 80% for us. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, and I could name some, but I'm not going to. There's a lot of controversial movements, controversial leaders, controversial books, et cetera, et cetera, that a lot of people are like, that's terrible because of this and this. And I'd be like, those two things are terrible. I agree. But did you read the rest? Because the rest was fantastic. And I think you should have listened to it and you Mm -hmm. Mm didn't. And it's convenient for Christians. And this is what the Pharisees did all the time, right? It's convenient for Christians to say, because of this one little thing, I'm going to throw all that stuff out. And now I don't have to be convicted about the other stuff you said that I do know was right <laughs> mm-hmm. because you said one thing or you did one thing wrong. Yeah. Um, and I find that unfortunate. But so I grew up with this, um, the, spirit w- the Holy Spirit was a normal part of life. I spoke in tongues when I was like seven or something like that. Mm-hmm. I went forward to get healing weekly because, um, mm-hmm. as I've shared before, I have a lot of uh, health issues, uh, genetic condition called hypohydrotic ectodermal dysplasia, which I won't get into now for saving mm. time, but uh, my DNA is messed up. So I need a, a creative miracle, a healing. And we went forward to get prayer just about every week at church. And we went to every prayer meeting and healing service you could think of. So I was used to all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, in high school, I started inviting friends to things once in a while. But I, again, I still went to Lutheran schools where a lot of the folks weren't really into anything other than what they had experienced. And I invited a couple of friends to some events that were happening in the Twin Cities at that time. Um, a guy named Doug Stanton was having big meetings mm-hmm. at Apache Plaza.
1: Well, he started a long time ago if you Oh were. yeah, yeah. This wow. this is when I
0: was in high school. My. Um, it was right after uh, what has come to be known as the Toronto Blessing or the Toronto mm. event. Um, started happening up at um, what was then called the Airport Vineyard Church.
1: So about 20 years ago? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Even more.
0: Even more. It was, this would have been 93,
1: probably, Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to say. So it's been a while. And um, so I started going to that sort of stuff. I found it interesting. I found it cool. Um, I found some of it to be bizarre. And I found some of it to be, I, I questioned some of it as, What is the point of this? I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that's okay, you know? Um, Because that's how I was. Other people came, and you could tell by the way they held their arms in front of their chest and the look they had on their face that they came in order to disapprove, and they did not leave disappointed Mm -hmm. (laughs) about their disapproval of what was happening. Um, And my church sent people up to Toronto, like, the second week after it started happening, and people came back, and... Things started happening at church, and the Holy Spirit started moving
1: um, in ways that I had not seen. And just to let you know, I think you know this, but I went as well mm-hmm. to Toronto, and I took 10 leaders with me. And mm-hmm. we had the, a similar experience that we we said, this is way out of our experience, but we all agreed that it was God. Mm-hmm. So we brought and, it back.
0: And the, the, I will say one thing about that, and that is that it's possible to agree that God is doing something without condoning everything that humans do. Good. Because Jesus came to earth and he spoke to people and he healed people. God was doing something. Not everyone responded properly to what Jesus said mm-hmm. or to what Jesus did. Like they killed him, for example. That was a bad response. Okay. Yeah. God was doing something. People still did weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And so... Not Just because God is moving in a city, in an event, in a conference, doesn't mean that every little thing that happened in that room was God-inspired, God-ordained, or God-sanctioned. Obviously, I mean, think about your life for more than three seconds. Do you sin? Yes. Do you mess up? Yes. Are you a Christian? Yes. Did God sanction all those sins? No. He hates those. So there you go. That's yeah. life. That's the human condition. And part of my Lutheran training okay. <laughs> taught me that. Mm-hmm. That. You know, we live in this already-but-not-yet situation. Good. The kingdom has come, and yet the kingdom is still coming. And, and that's how, that, that tension, that uncomfortableness, that's how we live our life. That's where the church finds itself in this age, yes. is we are meant to expand the kingdom of God, but I thought the kingdom was already here. It is, but it's still coming. What? Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, you said it. You said it. Confusion um, mm-hmm. is, is the church. That's Mm -hmm. that's where we're at. And so that was sort of my background. I had experienced some things that I thought were interesting, some other things I didn't like. Um, The church I I went to, I love them. I I have nothing but thanksgiving in my heart for the church I grew up in. But they didn't want kids and teenagers to do the stuff, Mm -hmm. to put it in John Wimber terms. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we weren't mature, didn't know, didn't trust us. I mean, I had grown up in that church. They certainly knew me and trusted me. I was an usher and all that. But Um, so whatever, that was their decision. I don't know if they would make the same one now, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I wasn't allowed to pray for people. Okay. Um, but I could catch people before they fell over. And if you don't know what in the world I'm talking about, particularly after Toronto, there was a season of time and this has happened other places and, and, and still does happen in some places, but when people would get prayed for in particular by other Christians, the presence of God was often, physically overpowering Mm -hmm. and this is something it's common you know in scripture you see people physically overcome by the power of god you see people emotionally overcome by the power of god i have very 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 rarely been physically overcome personally Mm -hmm. uh, but i know many who have Mm -hmm. and so often the response is to fall to your knees and how often is that in the psalms right um and other times people will like fall backwards and that's okay that's you know Hooray. Um, I don't think it proves necessarily anything or means anything more mm-hmm. if you fall over versus if you don't. I think there are other factors going on here that we're like, you know, we're little kids with a viewmaster looking up at the scar- stars trying to determine where they are in relation to one another. And it's, it's a silly game to play. But the Holy Spirit does stuff.
1: Sometimes people fall over. And I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that. Um, and I like what Toronto said. They said, we don't promote it we don't prevent it and we don't publicize it Mm -hmm. so we don't make anything of it if someone is trying to make something of it they would take them off to another place and they could make something of it in their own room if they wanted to right where they weren't uh in front of the public
0: I i think something that hasn't been done well in the last 30 years has been teaching about what all this is about, to mm-hmm. let people know that if you get prayed for and you don't fall over, and all the people around you do, that doesn't mean anything bad necessarily. Because I know people who went, and they just keep coming for prayer, waiting to be knocked over, and they're like, what's wrong with me? There's something wrong. I must. God must not care about me enough, or, 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 or I'm a horrible sinner or something, and they leave totally dejected. Yeah. And I just that's just that's a fault of teaching that that's a that's a platform problem, in my opinion. Um, and now in their defense, they didn't know what was going on. So they didn't have a great theology figured out about what exactly was happening um, it, back in the Toronto days. But now we don't have that excuse. I think now we need to tell people, hey, hey, hey don't that's not what it's about. It's about you connecting yeah. with God. Yeah. And sometimes these things happen. I don't know. Um, yeah. And other times when you're in worship, you start to weep. You're not ha- sad, you're not happy, you're just weeping as you worship God. Why? Because sometimes the presence of God is emotionally overwhelming, mm-hmm. period. There's no other, that's, that's that's all it is. It's not a big deal. And see, nowadays, a lot of people experience that pretty regularly, but back then, that was still pretty new. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Why am I crying? Why am I laughing? I don't understand. Um, but all it is, is being overwhelmed by God, by the presence of God or maybe by God's emotions, depending on what the situation is. Um, and so I grew up in that time while I was still in high school, catching people to keep them from falling over and hurting themselves. Good for you. Because <laughs> I did believe that the Holy Spirit didn't want anybody to fall over and get a concussion in a prayer line. I felt like that would be a bad idea. Um, and so during that time, I would pray for the person who was getting prayed for by the prayer team. Yeah. Because why not? Sure. They wouldn't let me pray, but they'd let me catch. So I'd be the guy who prayed behind the person. And over time, I started seeing that the things I thought I was hearing from God were also the things the other people thought they were hearing from God. And so I sort of learned uh, prophecy by proxy. Cool. Um, in a way. Now, it wasn't by proxy in the sense that I was passive. I was actively trying to pray and trying to get words for people and trying to pray for healing and that sort of thing. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing. But I mm-hmm. sort of the Holy Spirit sort of taught me. He's like, I don't care if they let you do it or not. That's not what it's about. It doesn't matter. I can still teach you how to do this stuff, which I thought was really neat. And so then, by the time I got to college, um, I found myself as the one person who knew anything about any of this, mm. other than Gary Gilbertson. Who was a mm-hmm. pastor in town? Who quickly became my pastor and mentor. Um, but as far as students, nobody knew stuff about the Holy Spirit. They didn't know things about speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing. They they hadn't experienced um, the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, the anointing. They hadn't experienced um, any of that kind of stuff before. And so I don't know how, but word got around that I. Knew about that kind of stuff, and so people would just come up to me and ask me and have me pray for them and all that kind of and stuff. And that's all that cool. Time. That's really cool. It was it was very interesting, and so we started seeing things like that in college. Um, and I wouldn't call it revival, but I would call it you know a good trajectory. And then eventually, we um, started doing a prayer meeting, which we had uh, every single day. We met for prayer. And I was told recently that that prayer
1: meeting still happening. That's wonderful.
0: I left in 2001, so My. 18 years later. That's pretty impressive. Yes. Um, looking back on it, that's getting together to pray every day is revival. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. Because most settings, people don't care enough yes. about other people or the world or what God is doing to get together to pray every day. That's a big sacrifice.
1: And I'd say that revival is, I mean, I'm sorry, prayer is one of the key elements. We'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you're calling that revival, I like that because that's the initial stage in many places that it's God putting his burden on some people to pray. And I'll give some examples in our next one uh, where that happens. And then it breaks out because... Some people were praying with urgency.
0: Yeah, I think that's our initial response. Mm -hmm. I think God moves first. I think God always moves first. That's very theological. He's the prime mover. He he moves us. We love because he first loved us. So Mm -hmm. he moves first, but then he expects us to respond. And if we never do, nothing ever happens. And we sit around going, why did God never do this thing he said he would do? Well, because you never got off your Mm -hmm. couch. That's why. So... Huh. It was You thought he s- was going to say duff. <laughs> I, I did consider saying something else. Um, so the summer between my junior and senior year of high school, so I'm 17, this is 1995. Mm-hmm. I am praying in a cabin um, in Grantsburg, Wisconsin. And it was an impromptu, let's just go up to our friend's lake home for a couple days. And um, it, it was a Holy Spirit thing. It was my brother and I and my sister and my mom. And it just... Became a spiritual retreat for whatever reason.
1: Cool.
0: My mom and sister were hanging out, and she was reading something. My brother was reading something. I was reading something. We were all just having time with God. We didn't plan it that way. It just mm-hmm. that's just what happened. It was very interesting. And I was reading all these things by some diff- from very different perspectives mm-hmm. um, from each other and from me. Uh, they had a varied library up there, which I thought was great. So I was reading people I'd never read, like Creflo Dollar and and some people who I know some of you will be like, what? I don't like some of that stuff. And uh, you haven't read it all. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Um, anyway, so I was reading a number of different things and thinking about a number of different things and um, just praying. And it was one of those like kind of holy moments where you're just, you're rededicating yourself to the mm-hmm. Lord and you feel that unction of the Holy Spirit to to get on your knees and put everything on the altar. And it was one of, those, one of those holy times. And I was sort of in the afterglow of that. And I had a vision. And this was a, I don't know that I would call it an open vision, but it was more clear than anything I had ever had before that time. Okay. Um, I don't have a lot of open visions, very, very few. Um, usually I see things in my mind's eye, as it were. But this, it was almost like I could see it. Mm-hmm. And it was like I could see it on half the screen, like half this part of my vision, the left part. I could see like a, a, a scroll coming down. It looked like a scroll, but it, what it actually was is was like a cartoony version of a contract where it's like scribble, 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 and then a big line at the bottom with like a big wax seal. Like it looked like a cartoon version of a contract, right? With a nice calligraphy pen near it. And as, as I saw this sort of thing come down, I heard God say, I am calling you to, I, I don't remember the exact words, either help lead or be a leader in the great revival that's coming. Mm. Which I um, perceived to mean in the Twin Cities, And he said, and that's all he said. And I was like, okay, that sounds awesome. I -hmm. mean, Mm -hmm. you know, 17 year old kid, I don't know any better. And that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see people get saved. I wanted to see people come to God and people get healed. And that sounded awesome. And he's like, no, 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 no. This is very serious. I need you to sign on to this. So I realized then that it wasn't a contract, like a cartoon contract. This was a covenant. Mm -hmm. He was saying, I am calling you to do this. I need you to agree. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I didn't understand, I didn't perceive it at the time, but the reason was because later I would say, hey, I never signed up for this. Mm -hmm. And God would say, you actually did. Um, And I said, okay, I don't really understand why that's necessary, you know, I was a little confused. And he said, if you do this, it's going to cost you the thing you love the most. Oh. And that put a hitch in my step. Because um, I, I was all like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. I will do it. I will do it. And then he's like, it's going to cost you. What? It's going to cost you the thing you love the most. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. I couldn't. Figure out what that would mean. The only thing I could think of was that maybe that meant getting married. I was seventeen. Even at seventeen, I really wanted to get married and become a husband and a dad. Um, I'd always had that very strong desire, and I did. And I was like, maybe he's saying I'll never get married. And I was like, well, even if that was it, that would be okay. I would, I would still sign up. Let's do this, you know. And he's like, okay. And so I like sort of pictured myself grabbing the pen and signing the contract, and that was it. And I walked away, assuming revival was starting like Tuesday, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, we're ready to go. Um, And since 1995, it's 2019 now, I have seen stuff happen and I've seen waves come and go. Um, But overall, that which was promised or foretold, whatever you want to call it, um, at that time has yet, to take place, mm. um, and he was giving me a lot of time mm-hmm. because I needed to get ready. <laughs> sure, I wasn't ready yet, sure. and you'll see this happen to people in Scripture. Often, God will tell someone something far in advance because He knows, in order for you to fulfill this thing, I'm calling you to do, you, you're going to have to like do a lot of work. <laughs> you're not ready enough. Uh, And maybe now, if I tell you now, you'll get there by then. At least that's how I interpret it.
1: Yes, and I agree, and I like what someone shared in that regard, and they compared it to the promise that was given to the Israelites. The promised land was the fulfillment, Mm -hmm. but the process for that promise to be fulfilled is the desert. And we go from the, promise to the, from the promise to the promised land through the desert, where that is tested, where we learn to live by faith and believe, regardless of our circumstances, that we are going to be taken into the promised land. And for them, that was going to be a 40-year process. Mm-hmm. They reneged and wanted to go back to Egypt, and they never made it. But you are still praying, believing that that is going to take place. And that's wonderful. In fact, it's powerful.
0: It, if I have one credit to my name, it's that I haven't fully given up. Yes. There have been times mm-hmm. there have been times where I doubted. I'm not going to lie. Did that, God, did you really say this? And, and he spoke to me about revival a lot of times after that, too. But, but it's easier to doubt when you're in the desert. Well, when
1: I tell to you— Did God my... really
0: call us to here? Because there's no food. And there's a lot of other bad things. So this couldn't be God, right? Yeah. No one believes that a
1: loving God could lead them into the desert, mm-hmm. but he does. <laughs> and I'm very encouraged because I knew some of the story, but I didn't know that you had a calling to lead, which is when I tell my story, you know that, and mm-hmm. others will hear that uh, a similar, a similar word came to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. So let's flash forward. So, um long desert experience. It did cost me the thing I loved the most. And I'll get into that another time, but um, I hadn't been praying a lot about revival for about a couple years. We'll wrap this up here in a minute. Um, I hadn't been praying about it for a couple of years, just a little bit. And God spoke to me, which at that time was very rare. Mm-hmm. And he said, keep praying. The date is almost set. Oh, man. That's, that's all he said. Keep praying the date was almost set. It was a loud, if you want to put it that way, word in the middle of just, I was just in worship some, at the art gathering, actually. And, or a, one of the life together days. And it arrested me and surprised mm-hmm. me. And I, I knew instantly what it was. I it was about revival. Sure. And it's what it was. Sometimes you just perceive what something is about. Like in a dream, when you start a dream and you have all the backstory already. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um and sometimes words of god words of knowledge work that way and so i started praying which i hadn't been doing very much i'll admit um for other reasons and and so i I started praying more and more and more and then uh just a few months later again out of nowhere i was writing an email to someone else regarding something totally different and god spoke and he said the date is set Mm -hmm. and i saw a Mm -hmm. calendar with no distinct markings on it, except I knew it was a calendar. So I don't know when the date is, don't ask. Um, but he said the date is set. Mm-hmm. And I know that meant revival is coming. It's on the calendar. It's, it's God's will and nothing is going to change that or stop that. Yes. That doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play to bring it about or even hasten it. And that's something mm-hmm. we can talk about later. Um, but I got that word from the Lord and I... I'll admit I was overwhelmed not by the presence of God, but by my own emotion. Mm-hmm. Cause this is something I would prayed for, for 20 years. And God's like, this is going to happen. Yeah. Um. So that's, that's an emotional thing. And so I was kind of messed up for an hour or so, mostly good, but, sure. <laughs> um, and then I emailed you Paul, because I thought to myself, who should I talk to if this is really happening mm-hmm. and it's finally time. I got to talk to Paul and, and see what's going on. And so I emailed you and I'm like, Hey, it's been a while. How you doing? Is anybody talking about revival that you know of these days? And you emailed me back like right away and said, we need
1: to meet. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was very encouraged by that. So I, I knew that I, I knew that we were going to be praying together after that.
0: Uh, why don't, that. We're a little over time. Why don't we start off next week when we get back together with you then picking up there. Cool. And grabbing the baton.
1: I'm encouraged, Nate, and I uh, I pray that our people are, too, that are listening to this. These next uh, few podcasts are going to tell some wonderful stories that I hope, if you've heard this one, that you can hear the next three or four. Because, mm-hmm. frankly, they're going to be good. <laughs> they are.
0: All right, see you next week. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.